Good day. Wonderful Sunday night. Heatwave Sports is on the air. Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. I am Tim Unglesby, along with Mateo, and he's in the Lotus Broadcast Studios. I'm in my office, and my co-host tonight, radio personality, of course, longtime member of the Heatwave Sports crew. This man is lounging out by the pool here in Las Vegas at a, on a 10 o'clock Sunday night. Chris Wynn. Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, th- this is the way we're doing radio now, isn't it, my man? Yeah, you know, the, the whole remote thing, it can be tough at times, right? Because, look, you and I in the radio business, we love being face-to-face, getting a chance to chop it up. But, of course, you know, given COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything that's taken place, now we have alternatives, right, Tim? <laughs> and, guys, there's other ways that we can go about and do this. And, of course, uh, you mentioned the uh, the circumstance lounge out by the pool on a at a ten o'clock on a Sunday night never hurt anybody Tim not gonna lie to you it's not too bad so weather's nice right tonight. up to uh, to talk some sports yeah and the weather's it's it's a it's a nice night out let's put it that way and we're we're gonna chop it up for two hours as we take you around the world of sports we're gonna kind of centralize it to Las Vegas to open the show Chris and yes if you're checking in for the college football previews that's our Hour two tonight, we're doing two of the bigger conferences, two of the Power Fives, ACC and the Pac-12, so stay tuned for that. But before we jump into uh, some baseball pennant race talk, Chris, as we're running almost into the month of September now, so about a month away from the playoffs, but uh, this weekend here in Las Vegas, and I know with everything going on in the world, and we're not going political here, we're just going to talk about what we have going on in the home city, but even in today's day and age, Chris, this weekend, still a big-time deal in Las Vegas. You had events all over town, and you had events that were sold out, and we're talking in excess of 20,000, 50,000. Chris, this isn't stopping people from going out and uh, living their lives, so, so to speak. Now, whether they're doing correctly or not, I can't speak on that. I'm just saying, from a sports point of view, Las Vegas still the hottest attraction pretty much ever, uh, around anywhere. Oh, there's no question about that, and uh, you're right. People are still going out. People are still, you know, I, there's, I think there still is that mentality of we just need to get out of the house, right, because of, you know, what we went through the past, you know, uh, 12 to 16 months. So there's, there's no question that uh, this is a city where people like to be out and about. And you mentioned, you know, the activities regarding, uh, you know, a huge UFC fight. You had that monster WWE event, obviously at Allegiant Stadium last night. And, of course, uh, you know, a boxing match, obviously, featuring Manny Pacquiao, uh, where he ends up losing, by the way. But, there, yes, I mean, there was all kinds of activity here in town. And uh, I know we're going to be getting into baseball here off the top of the show. But, uh, you know, look, it's we're smack dab in the middle of the NFL preseason. So the Raiders were in action last night as well, too, not here in Vegas, but still were in action. And uh, you're exactly right. You don't have to get into the political stuff to understand that Americans are still wanting to get out and about. And that is absolutely no different, Tim, here in the city of Las Vegas with Las Vegans and in the state of Nevada with Nevadans. People are going out and about and still, uh, look, they're practicing. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned, uh, you know, you don't, you don't really know as far as the precautions. I would expect that people are being safe, and if if they're not, then we're probably going to get an indication of that in the numbers and you know in the statistics here in the coming in the near future. But that being said, yes, it has not dampened the spirits of people to get out and about, and uh, in the sports world, that's certainly been evident because there's been so much going on, and people are still hitting the venues hard. And we saw earlier in the week, kind of we're at we're at the end now, so this happened beginning of the week that the Raiders have implemented a a mandatory mask to or a mandatory vaccine excuse me Chris to to be able to attend their football games this year Uh, just quickly your thoughts on that I know you thought this was a great thing and will these other teams follow I believe they're the only ones right now in the NFL that are doing this yeah there's a couple you know there's a there's a trickling of other teams that are looking to do it Saints are on board and I, I just think it's a, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when regarding the rest of the teams in the NFL following this from a logistics standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, this is, uh, look, COVID-19, it's not a political issue. It's a, to me, it's a public health issue. 
And, uh, I mean, regardless, it doesn't matter. With a virus like this, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, on the left or the right or if you're straight or gay or if you're, you know, uh, African-American or white. I mean, it just it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a situation that I think everybody needs to address and we need to, you know, take it into account. And, and I would hope that the powers that be with the Raiders, whether it's Mark Davis and, and uh, the rest of uh, the front office, are making decisions based on getting it from public health experts, right, Tim? People that are actually in the know. Hopefully they're not, you know, just, you know, looking out for, uh, you know, their pocketbooks or, you know, hopefully they're not motivated by other factors other than to keep Raider fans and fans of other teams that come into town safe at these games at Allegiant Stadium. I think that should be the expectation and the hope that everybody is doing across the board, whether it's the Golden Knights, whether it's UNLV football or basketball, whether it's any of the teams, the Las Vegas Aces, you know, the, the Aviators, obviously Aviators Outdoor Stadium, so uh, not the same thing. But the point being is that I hope that these organizations are doing this for the right reasons, right? They're following public health experts, i.e. scientists, people that are, you know, well aware of the circumstances surrounding COVID-19 and are advising in the right way. And so if that's the case, then I think they'll be absolutely fine. And uh, yes, I do agree with it. I think that it's something that they should be doing because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do, right? We want to get out of the pandemic. We want to, you know, stamp out the virus. We want to be back in a world, right, Tim? We want to be back mm-hmm. in a world where I can roll into a stadium, not have a mask on, and, and, and sit among 65,000-plus fans at Allegiant Stadium for a Raiders game. People want to do that, and so uh, I think it, this, could, this is a step in the right direction towards that. And, and am I correct the way that this is, I read it, that if you do not have the vaccine, you cannot attend the game unless you get a shot at the facility? Well, that was the consensus, but then I've been talking to a couple of other people, and they've even mentioned things like uh, – that uh, apparently you can get the vaccine like on site, like there's going to be a possibility where you can get it. And then you can actually attend the games with a mask on because obviously you take the, you know, if you take the vaccine, it doesn't immediately take hold, you know, mm-hmm. within, you know, the 24 or 48 hours or whatever you're going to be in the stadium. So I, I, I'm not really sure exactly on that, what they're going to do, but yes, your, your point uh, pretty much is uh, what the, what uh, the situation uh, was indicated back in uh, on Monday or Tuesday when they made this they, when they made the uh, actual announcement. It was that yes, you would have to have your uh, vaccine card that that proves that you're vaccinated. Obviously, you can use there's a website that uh, they have and they're going to have kiosks at every entrance, and there's going to be a way that you could check to make sure that you're vac. Because look, there's we know right Tim that there's people out there that have you know those vaccine cards that aren't real. And so they, but they have a way apparently on the website where they can check to make sure that it's actually authentic, authentic. And so, uh, so yeah, that was the original plan was that yes, everybody that is going to attend games at Allegiant Stadium is going to have to be vaccinated. But I don't know about you, but uh, look, I've talked, I have, I, you like myself, uh, living here in Las Vegas, we have people, we have friends of ours, we have acquaintances of ours, who are not vaccinated and and, and have no intention of getting vaccinated, and they're Raider fans. And, you know, there's it's it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, people are, you know, they're upset, but they but, but there's some people that aren't vaccinated that understand, you know, the stance that the Raiders are taking. But they're, you know, for whatever reason, look, there's many reasons why people haven't gotten the vaccine as of yet. But uh, but I think that is the the indication is that you're going to have to be vaccinated essentially to attend Raiders games this season. Yeah, the way I, the way I read it was that if you don't show at least um, one vaccination, then right. forget about it. You're not going. If you do show one or you show two and it's not within the 14 days, or the second one's not within the 14 days of, of the game that you're attending, that um, you you can attend with a mask on, and I believe they put like some type of a wristband on so, you, so it states who is and who isn't. And that if you do get a shot on site, that you can attend with a mask and wristband as well. So that's the way. That, well, they, that well, I they, read it. they also, Tim. They also put on display the technology today at the preseason game of the Brown, the Browns and the Giants preseason game, 
which was on NFL Network today, and they were showing some of the the the, uh, the monitors that were outside the stadium, and they have all these monitors lined up in rows, just like we would walk into any other stadium, right, or any other arena, as far as you know, as far as showing your ticket. And essentially, it's just a screen where they can use facial recognition, and they can just you know, and that's where it, it gets. You know, all, all the uh, information goes back to whatever the website is. I don't know exactly off the top of my head what the website's called that they're using as far as verification for vaccines. But apparently that's going to be the technology that they can use. And I, I would expect that Allegiant Stadium and probably every other stadium around the NFL, if they start implementing, you know, these these vaccination requirements or basically I mean, it's a mandate. It's basically a mandate, right, that you have to be vaccinated to go into these stadiums, I would expect that that technology is going to be utilized all over the NFL. The, the one out here is called Clear, correct? The Clear. I app think so, yeah. yeah. That's why I was saying I didn't know the name of it off the top of my head. But I knew they were using some type of software to, you know, make the determination, make it make it more. It's, it's not going to be – let's put it this way, Tim, right? It's not going to be one of those deals where you just walk up and you show them your paper vaccination card and they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and go in. That's <laughs> right. Because, as I just pointed out, there's already a plethora of people, not just in Las Vegas, but probably around the country, that have those cards and that are absolutely positively not vaccinated. So we'll see exactly how the Raiders handle it, but uh, I would expect that it's going to be high-tech as it comes. And for those that think that it's not going to uh, extend beyond this, because this is a Raiders situation, but I believe, Chris, that every event at Legion Stadium will follow that course MGM Grand, um, T-Mobile, I think it's just going to be that way pretty much uh, throughout. And, you know, other other types of events, too, right, Tim? Like other types of uh, concerts, like at Brooklyn Bowl. or If it's an indoor venue, right, and it's and it's you're going to have, you know, thousands or hundreds of people, you know, in a, in a congested, you know, in a congested space, you could make no mistake about it. You know, the science is probably going to tell them you know, and advise the entities or the powers that be that, you know, you need to have this in place. So, uh, look, I under, look, I understand. I mean, there's there's going to be hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people around the country that aren't vaccinated. They're going to have a problem with this. And, you know, uh, we you've already seen the whole political situation and people, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, absolutely unloading as far as uh, their feelings on this if they're not vaccinated. But, uh But the vast majority of people and uh, the vast majority of, you know, people who are, quote unquote, experts regarding COVID-19 and infectious disease are on board with this. So that's why I think it's moving forward. That's Chris Wynn, Tim Unglesby, Mateo. Let's take our first time out. We'll reset, come back, talk some Major League Baseball. It's Heat Wave Sports on a Sunday night. Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Back at it on a Sunday night, Las Vegas Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby and Chris Wynn. And we're moving to the bases. Major League Baseball, the pennant races, obviously are in full effect right now. And Chris will start with the American League East, where the only thing stopping the Yankees is the weather right now. Rain, rain out today stops a nine-game winning streak for New York as they creeped above Boston this week into the first playoff spot. In or the first wild card spot in the playoffs. Yeah, the Yankees have been one of the hottest teams in baseball as of late here in the past week and a half, and uh, I don't see any signs that that's going to slow down. I've look, I was on record uh, on the show saying that I didn't think the the Yankees were going to make the playoffs. I might have to amend my take there because of uh, and look, we, Tommy talked about this last week a little bit, and uh, he had me convinced uh, even more last week that maybe the Yankees do have a shot here, but uh, no question that uh, the American League East is, is going to be a battle down to the wire regarding, uh, you know, what the Red, the Red Sox and uh, obviously the Yankees and, of course, Toronto right there too as well. But I wanted to point out two quick things, though, Tim. Uh, obviously getting in, we're going to get into these races, but today was a big day as far as history in, uh, in the American League and uh, particularly – uh, with both of our teams, uh, obviously we talked about Tommy's team, you know, with a nine and one record in the last ten games, but your team is uh, is on the verge of uh, you know just three games away with their 18th straight loss of uh, tying that record that they set back in 1988, 
in the American League for Evan uh, for the most consecutive losses right now mm. with 18 in a row they've lost. And then also today up in Toronto, Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run, becoming the 28th player to get into that club. Uh, got a standing ovation from the Rogers Center crowd there. A classy move by the Blue Jays fans. And uh, Miguel Cabrera, look, first barrel first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, 19 seasons where he's just been incredible, one of the best right-handed hitters of all time. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. We have a, uh, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot of pennant races going on, and we get that in division races. But, uh, you know, some big-time news getting made today on a Sunday when it came to Major League Baseball, and it, it wasn't necessarily the contenders that were making the news. Mickey with his – he becomes the 28th Major Leaguer. He had 500 dongs for his career. And for a, uh, a Detroit team, Chris, that, that won that game and are just six games under 500 right now, crazy that where they're sitting at this point in the season, you think that this is Cabrera Swan song that he retires after the season? It's a very good possibility, but I, I'm, I'm never going to say never with him because I think that he does believe he's got a little bit left in the tank and he might play, you know, one, maybe two more seasons. But uh, another another kind of uh, cool footnote too, Stephen Matz was the one who actually gave up the home run to Cabrera. He became the 345th major league pitcher, Tim, to give up a bomb to Miguel Cabrera. Stephen Matz, by the way, a former Las Vegas 51. He played here with the 51s when he was a you know in the Mets farm system, and uh, he was one of those guys that came up with the likes of Thor and these you know these pitchers who obviously are on the major league level now so that that was kind of cool that was kind of cool to see that see a, you know a las vegas 51 be the guy that gives up the home run to miggy yeah as for the other tidbit 18 straight uh we're on, we're on pace for the, the number one pick chris that's what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a, so there's a whole plan to it right tim there's right. Not, it's right. not just uh just a wild thing that's kind of popping up correct correct <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What's funny is everybody was talking about Yankees in Boston, but yet Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay, still in charge in that division, four and a half up on New York. And, and yeah, I know we got about a month to go, but it's the thing is you overlook Tampa. What happened last year? You know, they nobody was picking them to go to the series. They did, and they've always been this this team that just hangs around, hangs around, regardless of what they do in the playoffs. You really never get any respect, and it's because there's no star power on those teams, you know, and that's okay by the, by their way. 664 runs scored, there's enough offense there for them. And, you know, they're, and look, and they're a team that just dominates at home. We're talking about a team that, you know, they're almost 20 games over 500 when they play in that atrocious ballpark, you know, in, that, in, in Tropicana Field. And so, uh, look, they've been chugging along. This is a team that's 7-3 and three in their last 10. So it's not like, you know, look, they're not the, they haven't been the Yankees the last week and a half, two weeks, but they've still been a, a, a quality ball club. And, yes, you mentioned it. They're essentially like the San Francisco Giants of the American League, right? Nobody gives them enough respect. You know, people probably weren't, you know, uh, I don't think, obviously, when we watch this team and you think about the American League, we weren't saying to ourselves what we're saying about, we were saying about the Giants back in, in May and April where we're like, oh, yeah, the Giants are going to fade. The Giants are—they're not—they're not, not going to be able to maintain any of this. And uh, of course, we've seen the Giants haven't faded. And Tampa Bay, you know, never really had that issue. Tampa Bay's just been a, a, a really good ball club. And uh, right now, you're, you're talking about a squad that's sitting 29 games over 500, and is uh, you know firmly in control right now. Of uh, well, he's got, they've got the third best record in all overall in baseball, but the best record. Uh, pretty much by far in the American League, so uh, there's no question it's a team that they have to be that we have that you have to worry about if you're in the American League. But uh, still, that being said, I mean, you think about uh, the predictions that you guys have made, that you and Tommy and myself, and thinking about you know going deep into the American League playoffs, we just don't think about Tampa Bay, right? It's just not right. the team that we think about. We think about the likes of the White Sox. We think about the Astros, and uh, and, 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 of course, the Yankees. So uh, we'll see if Tampa Bay is gonna, able to make some noise once the, uh, the clock turns October and the playoffs roll around. Over in the Central, you just said it, the, the White Sox. It's, look, it's a one, that this is a one-bid division. 
The White Sox are firmly in front of Cleveland by nine and a half. They will win this division and be the one playoff team coming out of the AL Central. When you look at Chicago, a younger younger team, right? Mostly core is is uh it's a good mix of, of youngsters and, and some solid vets here, including last year's MVP and MVP and Jose Abreu. Their pitching is, is top tier, right? You talk about going into the playoffs and that's the worry in Toronto or Tampa is the what the pitching staff holds in that rotation, whereas Chicago's pretty set, Chris, and you know, we both think that they're gonna kinda go far here. Oh, no question. And you talk about the mix that they have of veterans and young guys, but this injury bug just has to stay away from, right, Tim? They just have to keep guys off the IR, you know, or being banged up. You had the injury with Tim Anderson where he had the soreness. You got, you know, uh, just you, they, it's just been a number of their guys, it seems like, have gotten banged up or had some kind of, some kind of ailment, whether it's COVID-19 or other things, throughout the season. So, it, I mean, it's – it's absolutely one of those teams that you look at and you say, okay, they both, you would think they're going to be there. And uh, it hasn't really been indicative in the last, uh, in the last week and a half or so, though. They're, they're playing around 500 ball. They actually lost two in a row, the White Sox. But uh, as you pointed out, when you look at any division in baseball, this is the, uh, the biggest runaway right now. We're talking about a team that's nine and a half games up on the Indians who are sitting at 500, and, uh, and the Tigers are pretty far back, too, at 12 and a half games back and six games under 500. So they're not going to have any issues regarding the division. Obviously, what we're going to be concerned about as, uh, as Major League Baseball fans is what they do once playoff time rolls around, and you do have to go up against the likes of an, of an Astros team or one of those teams that are solid in the American League East as well. Over in the West, interesting division here now. Seattle, three games out of wild card spot two, which is where the Oakland A's and Boston sit for that second wild card. So you have the A's, three and a half back of Houston, the team you just mentioned. The, the Astros, everybody hates them. Uh, trash cans banging, booing, still consistently two years later. 22 games over 500, Chris, and they have scored the most runs in Major League Baseball this year at 672. Oh, by the way, again, the pitching, one of the top teams in runs allowed as well. Houston just uh, chugging along here. I know they, they had an up-and-down week, but, you know, it's, it's a team that I, I just don't see the, the roof caving in on them and and uh, Oakland somehow passing them. But when it gets to the playoffs, this will be a key thing here. And we've been talking about the possible matchups here, and, and everybody – Surely is gunning for a Houston Yankees matchup in the playoffs if those teams get there. Yeah, from a talent standpoint, they are a fortunate bunch. When I talk about the Houston Astros, and uh, you know they absolutely have what it takes to win this division. Oakland's just a team that just continues to impress me, Tim. I, I mean, I don't know how this team is 15 games over 500. The guys that I can name on the team, like a, like a Chapman. Or an Olsen, I mean, it's just like it's it. They're just, again, it seems like a bunch of a ragtag bunch. But uh, uh, they ran into a little bit of stumbling block in this weekend series here with the Giants, where they lost the last two there. But uh, and uh, I th I think they're like basically three and seven in their last ten, the A's. So they got to got they got to get things squared away because they are smack dab in the middle, as you pointed out, of a wild card battle right now. You're talking about them and the Red Sox, you know, both tied. For the you know the, basically that second wild card spot, and so while this is a Oakland team that you know is finds find a way to be uh, eight games over 500, you know at at home, and uh, they, they've got to figure out how to uh, to and and look I I didn't play the schedule game so I don't know exactly what they have left on their schedule rolling through September and uh, and and late August here, but. Uh, this is an Oakland A's team that's going to have to continue to get better if they're going to continue to stay in this wild card race. And we have the, the race for the MVP, Chris Otani versus Vlad. And still all systems go for, for Otani with a month to go. Yeah, and right now, look, it's still, I mean, you, you think about it, uh, and Otani is, I, I, mean, I don't know who else is going to, I mean, I don't think anybody overtakes him. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I think Otani's going to end up being the MVP. I mean, you can make the argument that, uh, you know, Bobby Cole 
people, Lance Lynn right now are currently, you know, headline a few when it comes to Cy Young. I mean, they're right there. But uh, Otani, I mean, he's just been unbelievable from an offensive standpoint as someone who's, you know, relatively new to Major League Baseball and is still able to put up these kind of numbers and, uh, and perform at this level with the obstacles that he faces, with the language barrier, and with, you know, with everything that, that goes along with that. And uh, the expectations, it's been pretty impressive to see exactly what, uh, what he's been able to do. And then they're even throwing Otani in there regarding, you know, Cy Young consideration too. So um, it's really an unprecedented season from an individual standpoint uh, that we haven't really seen probably since Miguel Cabrera's Triple Crown back in 2012. I think that's, you know, that that's a, the last, you know, individual season I can think of where it was just, you know, uh, just out of this world outstanding. And uh, Otani's right there with him. Yeah. If all if all stays healthy, he, he will he will hit 50 and have 100 ribbies, uh, runs batted in, and most likely 10 wins pitching as well as he's eight and one right now, with a 2.79 earned run average. Uh, he has 120 Ks and 100 innings pitched, Chris. So wrap it up, you know, wrap it up. Let's, let's go ahead and it's been a hell of a season. This is our season, and Vlad's. Flat's been great as well with the stick, and you know it's in any other year, right, Chris? In any other year, he would be your guy, but um, this year, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. And he's only four home runs behind him, and he's an RBI up, and he's batting uh, batting average is way better. But <clears throat> I just I just can't see him overtaking him. Oh, there's no question. I don't. And, and look, as you pointed out, I mean it's it's been an outstanding season for Vlad Jr., and uh, he's one of the linchpins of this Blue Jays team. So, uh, at, look, and this is a, you know, a Toronto team that is, is look, they're six games over 500, and they're just, they're way out of it still. You know what I mean? Like, they're not even in the mix. So, uh, look, they're four and a half back, I guess, in the wild card. So, I guess it's not, you know, it, which puts them behind Seattle. But, I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, there's no question that, uh, that in any other season there would be heavy consideration for Vlad Guerrero Jr. as, uh, you know, he's just been impressive to say the least, but uh, it, it's, to me, it's Otani right now, and it's and it's not really much of a discussion after that. Let's look at the National League in the West. San Francisco still the team there. 80 wins, Chris, already. 80 wins, 80 and 44. The Dodgers now two and a half back after a, a nice week. But the team I'm looking at to start in this division is the Padres on a two and eight slide and now have put themselves out of the playoffs uh, just a terrible terrible run of luck for the Padres here in the past I'd say two or three weeks now they've kind of let this this uh, wild card spot that they had seemingly locked in is no longer there as Cincinnati has passed them yeah the Padres are a team that are kind of confusing I mean they're unbelievable when they're playing at home at Petco Park I mean they're they're you know, 41 and 26 there, but on the road, they are just atrocious for a team that's expected to be, you know, a contender for a World Series title, not just, you know, in the National League. You got a team that's, you know, five games under 500 on the road. That just can't happen. You can't have that. And, and that combined with the emergence of the Reds lately, and now you've got the Reds playing really well. They've won four straight and seven of the last 10 in Cincinnati. And uh, they've just kind of blown past them. So, you know, you know, while we were talking a lot about, you know, the, the National League West and, you know, these teams are going to be jockeying for position, whether it was obviously the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Um, the Padres now sitting, what, 13 games back of San Francisco in the yeah. division. And so, and the fade hasn't happened for, for San Francisco. So, um it's, it's almost like you just expect, right, Tim, that the Dodgers and the Giants are probably going to battle it out for the division crown, and then one of those other two, one of those teams obviously will end up one of the wild cards. So that puts the Padres in a really tough spot if they don't pick up their game here and uh, start winning some baseball games, particularly on the road. And uh, we'll see. But look, they still have the talent. I mean, they still have the pieces there, and, you know, it, you know obviously they've run into some issues where you know they end up having to, you know they end up picking up a guy who was you know a former you know uh one of the best pitchers of baseball not isn't anymore 
and then he gets hurt. So it's just like, you know, or he gets put on, uh, uh, was it the COVID list or whatever? Anyway, he ends up, he ends up going down like, you know, three days after he gets there. So, um, there's no question that, uh, there's, there's cause for concern. Let's put it that way for, uh, Friars fans down there in San Diego and for the Padres themselves. They play starting Tuesday, Chris. They play the Dodgers for three at home. And then in September, they get at L.A., at San Francisco, home against San Francisco, at L.A., at San Francisco. So if if they can knock off these teams, the teams ahead of them, they're, they're in. But, you know, you're two games over 500 in your own division where everybody else is double digits better. It's that's That's exactly what happened here. And they can't beat the two teams in front of them. They don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyways. Well, that's a great thing too, though, isn't it, about the back end of the Major League season is that a lot of these teams are all playing in division. And you just lined up that schedule there. I mean, that is a heavy dose of National League West on National League West baseball right there. And so it'll be kind of like a put-up-or-shut-up type situation for the Padres because you'll have opportunities. You know, they'll have a chance – to face the teams they need to beat and to, you know, jockey and get back into position if they want to make some noise or they want to, you know, position themselves better as far as the playoffs are concerned or the wild card. And so, because, look, they're not going to win the division, but uh, they're absolutely a team that could that should be and could be in the mix for a wild card spot. Over in the Central, you mentioned the Reds playing incredible baseball putting themselves now in wild card spot number two. What about the Brewers? Where do you think long-term is this Milwaukee team set up to make a run in the playoffs? 76 and 49. Uh, they've been able to hit the ball. Pitching has been, you know, you talk about pitching staffs one through three in, in Milwaukee is, is pretty tight. It's led by, of course, Brandon Woodruff. So do you see Milwaukee being a team capable of put, doing some damage in the postseason, or is this where the teams like the Dodgers, Chris, or, or maybe in Atlanta or Philadelphia are the ones you, you know, they're just too much for them. Well, they got the pieces, right? They have some pieces there. I mean, Wong has been actually pretty solid here as of late. And uh, he had another big game today, by the way. But you, you got to get Christian Yelich better than this. You can't have Christian Yelich hitting 247. I mean, really, Tim? I mean, you just can't have it. So, I mean, they've got some other pieces as well, too, uh, you know, whether it's Urias down at third, they've got, you know, Escobar at first. They've got some, you know, some guys that, that and uh, Garcia as well, too, who I like, former Tiger. But uh, they, but offensively, they just have not performed, I think, at a level they need to be. That being said, they're sitting at 76 and 49. So, I mean, you know, so obviously the pitching staff is, is something that is worth being admired. And I think the pitching staff is going to carry them. But uh, this is another division where, I mean, you look at the standings and you think to yourself, okay, uh, the Reds are charging, but they're still seven and a half back. So you don't think that, you know, the Reds are going to be all of a sudden challenging Milwaukee for that division. And uh, the Cardinals are just too far back. So it's, it's a situation where Milwaukee, if they don't just absolutely collapse, are going to win that division. And uh, they are... And, and another kind of anomaly regarding this Milwaukee team is what they do on the road. The, the Brewers are like 21 games over 500 yeah. in the uh, – they're 21 games over 500 on the road, which is sick. So if they can continue that, then there's no doubt that they're going to be a team that's going to that's be hard to reckon with come playoff time in the National League. A better road record than home records. You rarely see they that. They do. Yeah. And out east, what a difference a week makes, Chris. And the Mets, two and eight in their last ten. The Braves, nine and one, a seven-game swing. Atlanta now five games up on Philadelphia, who's even past the Mets. Uh, what, to be a Mets fan, it's just <laughs> crazy, right? They, they've completely obliterated this lead, and now they're not even going to make the playoffs. So Atlanta running away with it. And this was my pick to, to make the World Series in the National League, and it was looking – very bleak there for a while, Chris. But they've they've uh, they made some under the radar moves at the trade deadline, and they put it together and able able to win in division, which is what the key has been. And again, you want to talk about teams on the road. The Atlanta Braves have been able to put it together. Oh, no question, a team that's ten games over 500 on the road, and so 
Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about the, the you know the injury early on, and everyone was just you know devastated. Even outside of Atlanta, baseball fans were like, "Oh yeah, that's going to hurt them big time, and it's not going to you know you, we can just take them out of the mix." Regarding teams like the Dodgers and you know the Giants and and some of these other teams in the National League, well, they've absolutely still been able to keep their head above water very very easily, and uh, you know despite the fact that they're only two games over 500 at home. Uh, you mentioned what they've done in, in in the last week and a half, with this with this in, in the last ten they're sitting at nine and one, and have won nine straight, which is uh, pretty impressive to say the least. And uh, but the Phillies look the Phillies are, are looked pretty good down in San Diego this weekend as well too. I think they took two out of three right against the Padres. So yeah, I don't know if the Phillies are a team that's going to fade, and uh, they're still within shouting distance there at five games back. So. Uh, obviously, they have a guy who, who's a National League MVP contender in Bryce Harper. They have, you know, they have pieces there uh, as far as their pitching staff as well, too. So I think it's going to be still going to be interesting there at the top of the National League East. But uh, when you take a look at the standings, as far as uh, I mean, look, look, when you look at the wild card in, in uh, as far as that division is concerned, it's not really in play. You know, I mean, you're talking about uh, the Phillies who are five games back in the wild card that are sitting in second place in that division. So, uh, which is only two games ahead of the Mets who, well, you know, we've, we've heard about Mets fans. Mets fans are, you know, uh, you know, just absolutely beside themselves because of uh, what has happened up there in New York for the Mets. So uh, I, I still think it has a chance to be kind of interesting there in, in the National League East, but uh, I would expect that Atlanta holds on and, uh, and captures that division. Chris, I don't know if you saw the... Sunday night game, it was Angels and Indians, but regardless of who was playing, it was a, they called the Little League Classic, play the game in Williamsport. Kind of cool to see the kids out there on on this. Uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a major league stadium per se, but you know they kept the ball down tonight pretty much with the exception of that home run in the first. And I think it's just uh, it's a cool little thing to do in basically it's in correlation with the Little League World Series that's had going on right now. As a matter of fact, you watch all those games on ESPN at full slate of games today if you if you're watching the boob tube and next year they've already announced Boston and Baltimore will play in this this classic and we just saw the the uh Field of Dreams game a couple weeks back or so Major League Baseball doing some fun inventive things here to keep I guess keep them relevant you know in the world of sports baseball is always the one that just kind of gets looked at as the third sport you know and it probably will always be that way Chris but th at least they keep them themselves relevant per se. It was a really cool aspect they had going on today up in Williamsport. You had Cal, Con Cal Quantrill, by the way, pitch two-hit ball over seven innings in that game as the Indians won three-zip. But, you know, they, look, it was it was really cool because you had, you know, youngsters rushing the stands for ice creams and sweets, and you had, you know, you know all the stuff going on. You had Shoei Otani FaceTiming fans mm -hmm. on, uh, on, on the kid cast from the dugout. And, you know, it was... And look, little leaguers getting to be on hand to see some of their favorite stars, and uh, you know, you have Rosero hits the home run early on, and it was a it was a well played game. I actually had action on it, Tim. I had uh, the Indians on the run line, so I was happy about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right regarding uh, the Field of Dreams game, obviously last week, and now you had the, this situation. I think it's really cool for Major League Baseball to kind of jump out of the box and uh, have these types of games where uh, they can showcase the major leagues in different settings that they wouldn't normally be able to do. And Williamsport was just another example of that. And just to wrap up baseball, you, you had mentioned Miggy Cabrera, Milestone, 500, 500 homers. These are the guys that are next on the list, Chris, in, in order of possibility of them being that guy. Nelson Cruz, 41 years old. He's 57 away. Giancarlo Stanton. Then you have Trouty, who's only 30. Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper. Those are your next guys on the list. So I think Mike Trout's probably going to be the next guy to do it. I don't think Nelson Cruz gets there. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard for me to say because Nelson Cruz, back in the late, you know, the mid-2010s, around the time where the Tigers and, the, and the, obviously the Texas Rangers were very were contending teams and were in the playoffs, keeping the playoffs. Nelson Cruz just used to kill the Tigers. So it, it's, but I just, I just think that I don't, 
I don't know. Does he does he play two or three more years to get the 57? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. he gets there. So it, it could be a situation where Nelson Cruz ends up with like, you know, uh, like 490 or something like that. You know, I think it, it just falls just short. So obviously, like I said, I think Mike Trout's the next guy that ends up getting there. Yeah, at 30, and I know he's been banged up this season, but relatively healthy, he'll get there, I think, should get there pretty easily, Chris, and the rest, it's, it really is a it's a race against time, right? It is absolutely a race against time, and Miguel Cabrera, look, he took him, he's 38 years old, you know, yeah. and he's a, we remember him, he was a spring chicken back with the, you know, Florida Marlins winning a World Series back in 2003 over the New York Yankees, and he was just a skinny, spry, you know, young guy coming out of Venezuela, and uh, it was kind of cool, too, to see, like, his whole career breakdown, given he played his first six seasons in, in Florida, obviously, with the Marlins down in Miami, and then, but he's now he's been a Detroit Tiger for, uh, you know, almost 15 seasons, so it's pretty cool from that standpoint uh, that he was probably going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Detroit Tiger. Quickly, I know um, <clears throat> in hour two we're going to do college football, of course. Anything particular that uh, kind of slid through the sports world this week in the NFL? I know, like we said, there's preseason, and when you're reducing a schedule from four games down to three games, look, we're starting <laughs> we're starting the season here in a couple weeks, Chris. So you're getting your best dosage of who you think the starters are going to be here probably in week two of the preseason. I don't know if you keep up with with everything, but uh, anything that surprises you, or are you, uh, you think maybe some of these teams are holding back a little bit? Yeah, I don't know about holding back. I'm impressed by some of the young players and what they've been able to do. You saw Trey Lance come back after, you know, after an interception. He has two touchdown passes today in the matchup against the Chargers. There is there was a couple of uh, performances there. Um, Obviously, very unfortunate for the Falcons. They lose uh, AJ McCarron to a torn ACL, and uh, and apparently now it looks like uh, both Wentz and Nelson are are set to come back to practice for the Colts. So that was uh, an interesting kind of uh, tidbit there regarding the Colts. Now we understand, obviously, we, we still are concerned about what Indianapolis is going to do from a quarterback standpoint. You know, for the first what four or five games of the season, but. That's got to be positive news for Colts fans. And then the other big news, I think, was the uh, the fact that uh, that uh, Vrabel, the head coach of the Titans, tested positive for COVID-19 after they had those joint practices. Apparently, uh, you know, you have a head coach test positive for uh, the Delta variant, which is the one that's pe- that's concerned a lot of people lately. Is the is the new strain that has come about, where you know there's people that are much younger and much in, in much better shape and much healthier that are, you know, facing real tough side, not side effects, but real tough symptoms regarding COVID. So it, it, it raises cause for concern for people, especially if they're, uh, you know, if they're predisposed to have issues regarding this. So, but other than that, not much. I mean, uh, look, there was, you got the battle for the number two quarterback spot for the Cowboys with both Rush and Gilbert there in Dallas. Everybody wants to talk about the Cowboys, right, Tim? I mean, it's the Cowboys, so everyone's got to talk about them, even though they haven't won a World, uh, excuse me, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995, you know, and uh, they haven't really gone deep in the playoffs at all. People like to talk about the Cowboys, so we'll be taking a look at that. And then, uh, you know, and Jets fans are probably pretty fired up, too, to see that Wilson tossed a couple of touchdown passes in a pretty top-notch showing for him, too. So for the Jets, even though the Jets probably are not going to be anywhere near contenders in the AFC East, but... Uh, or in the uh, yeah the AFC in the AFC East. So uh, th- those are the things that kind of t- that caught my eye regarding the NFL here in the preseason this weekend. Yeah, you gotta love the youngsters, Wilson, Lance, uh, Mac Jones having having good preseason so far. We got a one preseason game left, right? And w- yeah, when are we, we going to see Saints the- uh, coming up tomorrow night? It's the Saints and. Uh, uh, Jaguars will be playing tomorrow yeah. night, so people, you know, all eyes on uh, whether or not. Uh, see, that's see what's crazy about preseason, Tim, is that you just don't know who's going to play. 
you know, like it's just, I mean, I, I turn on these pre, I t for example, I turn on the, the Giants-Browns game today, right? Expecting, fully expecting to see maybe one player that's going to be there on opening night, right? That's going to play or on, on opening day in the NFL. And it's, it, and immediately off the top of the broadcast, they're, they're like, yeah, nobody's playing. Baker Mayfield's not playing. Daniel Jones isn't playing. You know, obviously, you know, all those great running backs for the, the Browns weren't playing. You know, uh, receivers weren't going to play. It was like, no, there was like nobody out there. And so you brought up the point that there's only three preseason games this year. So, I mean, a number of NFL coaches are taking a lot of precautions regarding players. And rightfully, look, I get it, I guess, because, you know, you don't want to have, your, you know, your top players out with, you know, ACL tears or, you know, ruptured Achilles, like, like the situation that happened, you know, last week. So, I mean, I get it, but it just, it almost is just, it's just destroying you know the interest in these preseason games if you don't have any money on it as a as a fan and you're not going to see the players that you root for and that you want to see you know that you want to see come the regular season i mean the preseason is just especially with just three games now it doesn't seem like it's barely significant at all i mean that's just my little mini rant there regarding what's taking place i mean i, I mean i honestly wanted to turn that game on today i was like i mean you have to be kidding me and so yes we have the saints and the jaguars going tomorrow night and uh, a nationally televised game, obviously. And we'll see exactly what kind of players end up out there for both these squads. We were looking at, with only three games on a schedule for each team, we haven't seen the likes of, just look at the Raider game yesterday, Raiders-Rams. No Carr, no Stafford, right? Look at the right. uh, Aaron Rodgers has not played. Joe Burrow has not played. So Justin Herbert out in uh, for the Chargers has not played. So I assume... We're going to see some reps in gate week three, but I don't know. You, you never, you're right. You never can tell, Chris. Yeah, because, you, I mean, look, you and I have covered the NFL, or we've you know, been NFL fans for years. I, obviously, we, you know, the third preseason game out of the four is always the one where the guys get you know, a decent amount of reps. Most, most starters end up going out there for playing for a half, you know, yeah. or at least a, long, a quarter and, and, and some change. So... I don't know exactly how these teams are going to handle this because now you're cutting down to three games and oh by the way you've got one more game in the regular season too so uh, it's it's a whole situation where uh people t players are just players and uh and coaches and organizations are erring on the side of caution and uh so we don't know what exactly is going to happen but i i don't understand but but then on the on the same token tim I, I don't understand. Like how, how are you getting your guys ready if you're not getting live action, game action for these players? I mean, Matthew Stafford, another example. I mean, Matt, he changed teams. He's a, on a totally different team, you know, in a totally different offense and a totally different situation. And you could you can use him or you can, you can name, you know, 50 or 100 other players in the same situation that are in significant roles, new roles with new teams. And as you pointed out, and as I pointed out, we haven't seen these guys play at all in the preseason. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be you know fascinating. Let's put it that way to see exactly how this all shakes out with some of these top players across the league, because there make no mistake about it. There's still going to be a lot of a lot, they're going to be there's going to be a lot of uh, they're they're going to be very green. Let's put it that way going into the regular season if you don't get any in-game action at hardly at all in any of these preseason games for these top-tier players. And if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, Chris, the Baltimore Ravens have won their 19th straight preseason game on Saturday night, knocking off the Panthers 20-3. to They covered that game as well, so they'll go for 20 straight wins and the record next week against Washington. Oh, by the way, if you're betting them, and for whatever reason, if you bet... The 19 games, you're 17 and two against the spread. Really? That. <laughs> I took talk it about the chin, it. though on Saturday, Tim. I had the uh, Bears up against the Bills, and uh, I, did, I obviously didn't take into account that Mitch Trubisky was now a Buffalo Bill and wanted to go out there and show some of his worth. So he went yeah. out there and had a stellar first half. So 
it was a little bit rough for me there on the NFL preseason betting situation, but like I pointed out, he got something back today and on some of the Major League Baseball action. That was a game in, in which Josh Field struggled, and, and you know you're going to see that from these kids, and at least they're out there facing, uh, like you just said, Chris, they're facing live action, and that's going to be good for his career in the long run, but he is running for his life against Buffalo in that game, and uh, they got, yeah, you're right, they got demolished. Mitch Trubisky just said, meh, I'm still the quarterback in this league. It may be as a backup, but I'm still the guy and maybe better than what you have going right now. The former Bears quarterback goes 20 for 28 in a preseason game for over 200 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Andy Dalton didn't look too bad. I mean, this is a, this is one of the more fascinating battles, isn't it, Tim, when it comes to the quarterback battle? Because you've got a veteran there in Andy Dalton who, look, he hasn't you know had a ton of success regarding you know the postseason, whether it was with the Bengals or with the Cowboys, but when you when you listen to Matt Nagy and you listen to people in Chicago, they love Andy Dalton. I mean, they are mm-hmm. they are signed, sealed, and delivered that they think Andy Dalton's going to be the guy. And we all understand that, uh, looking from the outside looking in, that we feel Justin Fields has you know big time potential there as a quarterback. But I, look, they go week one against the the Los Angeles Rams. Week one, are you going to put Justin Field Justin Justin Fields out there? against the number one defense maybe in the NFL? No, you're probably not going to do that. So I think Andy Dalton's going to end up being the starter. And uh, it's going to be one of those deals where, and, I, and, I, and we talked about this on the show this morning. I did, I did uh, Ryan Feldman's show this morning on the line. And it, it's one of those deals with Chicago where, you know, if Andy Dalton, uh, you'll know whether or not Justin Fields gets a shot because if Andy Dalton is winning football games, they're just going to continue to roll with him, and they're going to take the approach that they took with the likes of Aaron Rodgers and some of these other quarterbacks where, hey, you know, we understand you have potential, but you're going to end up on the bench at least in the short term so that uh, we can ride this thing out and see how it plays out with Andy Dalton. Well, we're going to close the book on hour one. When we come back, we'll jump back into our college football previews. Kickoff, Chris. College football kickoff is next Saturday. Can you believe that, man? I can believe it a little bit because we were having, we had some one double A, I don't even know if they call it one double A anymore, right? They call it FCS, right, Tim? Yes. As yes. far as uh, action back there in the spring. So we got kind of, got kind of a, to wet our appetite there. But yeah, th- th- that, that's what, that's one cool thing about when it, when it comes to college football as, a, as opposed to the NFL, because the college football every year, it seems like they start before the NFL. And this year is no exception to that rule. Well, we'll lead off Hour 2 with the ACC Conference. We'll take a look at both divisions, give you our predictions on who will win the ACC moving forward. And, and by the end of the show, we'll also get Chris's pick on who the national champion will be because uh, Chris won't be on the show when we give out our picks. So we'll like to see if Chris thinks that Mr. Saban can bring another one home. But we'll, we'll save that till the end. we got the ACC coming up in Hour 2 along with the Pac-12. So action-packed Hour 2 on the way. Chris Wynn, Tim Unglesby. And Mr. Mateo joining you here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. 